why I think golf has had some challenges is because our society, most specifically in the last 10 plus years, has gone from worldwide society, has gone from a world of exclusivity to inclusivity. I mean, for so many things, it was all about exclusivity. And that's not really the name of the game anymore. It's all about, you know, oversharing is almost, you know, but it's inverted and golf was not, is not set up at all that way. Harnessing the power of inclusivity to engage, empower, and support a community to create moments, share stories, and build your tribe. These are the principles that are turning the second annual Women's Golf Day from an event and into a movement. On this week's episode of the Mod Golf Podcast, we learn how Alessa Gaudet has built the partnerships and empowered her biggest supporters at a grassroots level to create a global event that looks to unlock a multi-billion dollar market segment. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome everyone to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with golf's top influencers, entrepreneurs, innovators, and disruptors about their vision to reimagine, transform, and grow the game. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Alyssa Gaudet, the founder of Women's Golf Day. Hello, Alyssa. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thank you, Colin. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to have you. So I had a look at your LinkedIn profile, and holy smokes, I'm, I'm starting to wonder, Alyssa, is there anything you do not do? <laughs> <laughs> you're uh you're you're making me look like an absolute slacker I, I feel like i've done nothing in my life so uh i love what you're doing and today we are here primarily to talk about what you are doing with women's golf day so as we get started here so Alyssa, please tell me a bit about yourself and the things that you're passionate about yeah um well i'm definitely passionate about golf it's been my career track for the past 16 years and um i've had the very good fortune and uh luck but i guess you know as uh oprah and gary players say luck is uh, a combination of uh hard work and opportunity but um yeah i i have been um first on the worked for the latin golf tour the Tour de las americas and then i worked for the pga tour and i ran the world cup in 2002 so i consider that my my mba in the nice. golf industry. and from there i started a company one thing i noticed was um, a lot of companies especially back in that time in 2003 were looking for solutions or um really ways you know golf is a very different sport than a lot of other sports you know in a lot of ways and i'm just talking about the commercialization and how uh things are done we have, it's not like one league like the nfl or nba you know we have a couple different governing bodies and things like that so i think corporations my thought was corporations needed help with navigation and the right. best way to utilize it because it is so much more powerful, I believe, than other sports like the NBA, NFL, when it comes to corporate engagement, consumer engagement, uh, because most people don't go out and play full court basketball or play NFL football, but people do go out and play golf um, as well as watch it as a spectator. So uh, I started a company, Executive Golf International, and it's strategic marketing and consulting. And I know that sounds kind of blase, but what it really was is exactly what I just said, helping corporations, anybody that wanted to reach the golf demographic. And I specialized uh, a lot with emerging markets. So be that Latin America or the Caribbean or places in Europe, you know, because we come from the U.S. at least is a very evolved golf market. Very much so. So with Executive Golf International, I'm assuming that everything that you learned through this and continue to do and, and everything that's informed you has led to the creation of Women's Golf Day. So you are now staging the second annual Women's Golf Day, and that's next Tuesday, June 6th. So can you please tell us what was your inspiration, your aha moment, if you will, for coming up with the idea for Women's Golf Day? 
Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know everyone that you're, you know, who's in your audience, but one thing I can tell you is, you know, I mean, you'll hear this from all people. I'm definitely an entrepreneur. And sometimes when, when we have adversity or market changes or what have you, we make changes in our lives and, and we reinvent and, and revigorate. So I had stopped doing the business side for a little bit when we had the kind of 08, 09, 07, 08, 09 financial crunch. I started writing some books. I wrote one book and one book turned into three called Two Good Rounds. And they're just interviews. I always thought that you read these interesting articles about golfers or people that play golf, but there wasn't like, they they weren't all together in one, you know, one place. The first one I did was about golfers. The second one was 36 of the top golfers. The second one was 54 of the top athletes in the world that all play golf. And the third one is 33 CEOs that own their own golf course. They own it outright, not have membership or anything like that. Right. The reason right. I bring that up is because you almost become a psychologist at the end of writing those three. I did three books in three and a half years, so it's pretty short span. Wow. And interviewing wow. that many people. And the interesting part is every person gets asked the same. So all the sports athletes got exact, asked the exact same questions. But a lot of it was overcoming failure. What's your greatest achievement? Why did you get involved in golf? What's the correlation between golf and your sport? What's one advice you'd give someone? And I did the same thing for the business book. And in there, I heard a number of different stories about people starting businesses and what have you. And, you know, Peter Hill started the world's largest golf tournament. So if you look at Women's Golf Day, it's kind of a combination of a lot of things. And as well, it was, you know, born out of frustration because it's 20, you know, 16 plus years. I'm sitting in these 2020 golf conferences and things saying how, how we need to get more women involved. And then you see, say they try it, but they leave right away. They don't feel comfortable. They feel intimidated. So I think that you can say this is uh, created for the people by the people. <laughs> so. It sounds very grassroots. It is. And I'm just saying I'm a woman and I mean, obviously, so I think I did see things. I see the industry differently. I interview differently. I think that whether it's Tiger Woods or Jack Nicholas or Annika Sorenstam, we just as, as human beings relate differently to men and women. So anyway, the idea was born there from a lot of input and ideas. And most importantly, what I saw, as much as I would love everybody to play golf and everything, I thought golf as an industry was missing a very big component that I saw was scaling very rapidly in the other leagues. And that was seeing women as economic influencers. So they were seeing the importance of that, whether it's consumerism from buying merchandise for the whole family and for everything. I mean, women are responsible for 85% of all consumer spending. So they were tapping into that and we weren't. And yet we are the one sport. And we're not talking about even if it's a $58 jersey. We are talking about houses on a golf course, country club memberships, golf vacations. Those three things are so much more important than even tea time. The same small example, the average cost of a wedding venue, just the location to have a wedding is $11,000 in the United States. And that's not country clubs, which would skew higher. So 11 grand is just the venue, nothing else. The average tea time in America is $40. So that same woman that decides to have her daughter's wedding or a 50th birthday party or 50th wedding anniversary or meet 16 or bar mitzvah or whatever the things, because even in down times, people still celebrate large life events. You would have to get that woman to golf almost 200 to close to 200 some odd to 300 times to make up for the cost of just her booking an event at your venue. So that's where the industry, I went to the management companies and kind of had done my research. We had like a 19 page deck of of data and just showed them. And it was first, the first year with the management companies that we really got traction and they understood the importance. 
And then, you know, if I can say that the, it is a one day, four hour experience, it's not a golf tournament. Yes. It is a four hour experience. And the first two hours, women have the choice of taking two hours of lessons. So like 45 minutes or so on the driving range and then 45 minutes shipping and putting, or they play nine holes if they're already golfer. After two hours, they stop and there's two hours of socializing, networking. You have Susie Orman, you can have a fashion show. It is every location's own business. They can, it can be public or private, and they can charge a fee or not charge a fee. We let them do what they want. How we've had the ability to get courses like Valderrama or the Olympic Club, Liberty National, Westchester on the private end. And then we have everything from PGA Tour Superstore to driving ranges and everything in between that has the ability to do this. And it, it actually has the ability of people that have never played golf get to try it alongside, somewhat alongside, at least not the first two hours, but with people that play golf. Because throughout our lives, those things are usually segregated no matter what you try in life. If you're new at something, you're with a lot of people that are new at something. So they get to mingle with people that are actively playing and that will help bring them in the fold and tell them all the different ways they can engage. And engagement is uh, such, such a key term that you touch on there. And, and the women that I've talked to, both that play golf and, and are thinking about playing golf, I do know just with the socialization and the behavioral habits there, that women need to feel comfortable in a setting that's welcoming and friendly. And, and socialization is such a key component. And to eliminate the barriers and the fear of embarrassment and intimidation of learning to play golf is, is key. To me, it seems the grassroots movement, and I really think this is a movement that you're poised to unlock here, is eliminating those barriers at a grassroots level. And I'm really excited for where this is going to go for you here. Yeah, thank you. And it is. Um, so just to give you some numbers, last year was the first year in 2016. We had 485 locations in 28 countries. And as you mentioned, we're a week away. It's June 6, 2017. We have 694 locations in 46 countries. So that's 68% growth rate. <laughs> that is that is good traction. I think any any Silicon Valley investor would love to see that type of growth on the uh, on the curve that you've got the hockey stick going there as far as your adoption rate. That's exciting stuff. Yes, and we welcome talking to them. Trust me. <laughs> I'm sure you do. So with the women that are participating, that have signed up also and participating, what are they going to experience next Tuesday on, on Women's Golf Day? So that, you know, as I said, they have the opportunity to go to a private location or public. You know, it depends on where they, um, what's closest to them. They go on our website, which is womensgolfday.com. They go on there and it says, you know, find a location and you click in. It's a, a map, a global map, literally. And you zoom in to you, where you live and you find uh, whichever is closest to you and where you want to participate. So obviously, some people that are members of private clubs or whatever, if it's private, then it's private. Yes. But there are so many, and actually a lot of them are free. Club Corp has been an amazing supporter of this. Um, they came on the first year with 160 properties and they are back on. And I know if you go to their website, they have a list of all the properties that um, women can participate. PJ Tour Superstore is on. And that's a phenomenal experience, especially if you just want to drop in for a little bit because it's ongoing for the four hours. Obviously, they can't do the same format as a golf course. You know, that's going to be a little different experience as well. But, you love, you know, you're going to, if you're a beginner, you're going to, you know, learn the grip, you know, basic, basic stuff. Most importantly, in a non-intimidating environment, and I think feel comfortable. And at the very minimum, you're going to make some new friends. Selfishly, I would love everybody to come off club and play golf. But also, you know, I think you've heard me uh, say this before, is just 
just, I think what this allows is before there was a big push, like you have to play 18 and you have to be this avid golfer. No, you don't. You can just play twice a year in your corporate outing. You can just play nine in wine once a month for six months out of the year. I think there should be no pressure and just take people for the appetite and interest that they have. I'd rather have something than nothing. Let's put it that way. Yes. And it's interesting you mentioned that. We touched on that in last week's episode where we talked about uh, the future of golf is a dial rather than a switch. And by that, we meant that, as you touched on, that 18 holes, the old school mentality, that's golf. Anything else is not golf because I can't card a, uh, a handicap. So it's not really golf. And that mindset has been changing over the last few years very quickly. And you're just another component and validator of that. Whereas things like going to the driving range, going to a place like Top Golf, going to an indoor simulator, all these other things that you can do with your family or by yourself, those all qualify as golf. And or with business colleagues and just to get out for an hour and network with them. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can slice and bake. Absolutely. Without question. So, hey, I, I see on the Women's Golf Day website that you have a very clear mission statement to engage, empower and support. Can you expand on these three principles, what they mean to you and what they mean to Women's Golf Day? Yeah, absolutely. We want to engage, you know, engage the women to come out to be a part of this uh, global day, not only just engage in the sport of golf, but you you did touch on its movement. And I got to tell you, a man or a woman, I, all I say is um, sometime during that day, go online, go on Twitter or Facebook on some social media platform, and it's probably going to blow you away because we couldn't even believe it last year. And it goes on for 24 hours straight. So it starts in Australia, time zone wise. And there is for 24 hours straight, there's a women's golf day event happening somewhere in the world because it's in China and India. And it keeps going, going, going. You know, we have four Muslim countries uh, and it ends in Hawaii. So um, incredible engagement and power. We want to empower women to just feel comfortable, to feel that this is something they can use however they choose, whether it is to engage with your family or with your clients or with your friends. We in the golf know the power and the benefits, even if it's for personal, you know, to spend time with your kids or your husband or your father or sister or mother. You know, it's time that we don't necessarily get in a fast moving uh, world that we live in right now. You know, and the support one is probably another more of what I just said in that, you know, we are supporting these women. The women are supporting us. We have country ambassadors is probably one of the things I'm most proud of um, in putting this strategy together, which, you know, this for me was like a dream project as it was all my spokes of, of work experience and life coming to a wheel. But creating these ambassadors from, from various countries that have helped to really uh, wave the flag and say, you know, what women's golf day is and help get courses on board, especially last year where people didn't know about it as much. I have seen how they have risen in their community to be seen as a thought leader or a person that has affected change or helped a movement or ushered in. And, you know, in some of these other countries, the federations are, are very male dominated. So, you know, I mean, my example that I just blown away by is a girl from Poland had reached out to us last year and said, I'd like to register my golf course. I mean, we get that all the time. Our, you know, goes through our back end and our web guy just you know, sends out, okay, here's the registration link. Yeah, just go ahead. So she signs up. He calls back like a week or two later he's like we've got three four golf courses from poland and this is not you know obviously ireland scotland places we hear of where there's a lot of golf right so the girl ends up getting 10 golf courses on board uh year one she's a dental student she played on our college golf team she's going to school to be a dentist and she just had it in her to do it and now you look at her and like everybody in poland i think in the golf industry knows who she is and she's really like i'm just so beyond dominique i'm so proud of her 
women in Morocco. We have men and a guy, Julio in Puerto Rico, another guy, Stefano in Italy. So we have men as well because it takes, you know, it takes a village. It takes a village to raise a child or to raise a movement or to raise, to raise awareness. And um, I'm very fortunate to have a really wonderful village of 15 plus people and everybody's volunteering. Well, this is amazing. And you talk about uh, the engagement, it all comes together, really comes to mind is inclusivity. The fact you are being inclusive across the board, whether it's where you live, region, age, religion, socioeconomic situation, it sounds like you're just reaching out and it's for everybody, by everybody. And that, I feel that's why this is it's really crowdsourced what you're doing here, that you're having this grassroots involvement with this that's creating your tribe and it's creating it very, very quickly. So once again, congratulations on, uh, on how that is moving forward. Yeah, thank you. Like I said, I'm really super proud of the people involved and how this has evolved. And and now, you know, this year we spent the year um, getting organizations on board. So I'm beyond. I mean, the World Golf Foundation, Steve Mona is near and dear because they're the only ones that came on the first year. You know, because people didn't know what it was. And I understand large organizations can't necessarily, you know, until they know. We have the World uh, International Golf Federation and LPGA Ladies European. They're at the PGA Tour this year. Uh, next week, um, there's going to be Executive Women is, uh, and, and Women's Golf Day are having an event right there at uh, St. Jude's Classic. So, you know, that, that makes me so happy. You know, EWGA, lots of phenomenal organizations are now involved with National Golf Course Owners, European Golf Course Owners. So many uh, great organizations that have gotten behind this now. And like I said, I can't thank enough Club Corp and Billy Casper and PJ Tour Superstore, who also just really have gotten behind this. And like you said, PJ Tour Superstore, those are all free. I think even most of the uh, Club Corps are a nominal fee, you know, $20 or $40. There is no barrier to entry. We have, we have eliminated that. It certainly sounds like you have. Uh, well, you've already answered my next question here. I was going to ask you about, you know, when you are creating a global initiative like you are, and as I mentioned, I really believe it's poised to become a movement. It's not something that you can create on your own. You did say it takes a village, and it certainly takes a global village in this case. And you've, you've told me about the uh, some of the strategic partnerships that you forged and how they amplify your signal to help you give the resources needed to scale up Women's Golf Day. Who was the first one that came on board? I'm sure they're all helping in, in the ways across the spectrum to move this forward. But who's really helped you move this forward in a significant way? From uh, an organizational standpoint or? Yes. Uh, yeah, as far as that. Yeah, so I mentioned, you know, World Golf Foundation, you know, which oversees a lot of those different organizations. But World Golf Foundation and Steve Mona, Club Corp, without a doubt, PJ Tour Superstore. And if you look at the people behind this, so the CMO over Matt Corey at PJ Tour Superstore, such an innovator. If you look at these people's careers, too. If I give you a vignette, it doesn't shock you. Mark Gore over at Club Corp and um, Anthony Scanlon from, he's talking about scaling internationally uh, for the International Golf Federation to come on board is awesome because they helped us reach every single federation in the world. You know, and I think a lot of people are going to take note after this year, especially. That was huge, as well as um, Mike Round from the Ladies European Tour, who's the head of, you know, strategic development. I mean, his his vision and his thought, people giving you input, and I'm certainly one to listen. <laughs> like, oh, I have an idea, a path, but I'm not afraid to uh, adapt and change, which I think is, is very much needed when you're doing this kind of a project. And these people, you know, and they are largely uh, men, but this is an industry that's been pretty male-dominated. But the generosity and the intelligence and the vision that they have shown is been invaluable. 
You touch on an interesting point about listening, and I've found that too. As an entrepreneur, that's a superpower that is underrated, and most people don't work at enough. And sometimes it's difficult because you want to tell the world about what you're doing. But yes, to, uh, to actually take a deep breath and, and really listen in a meaningful way really helps move things forward for you. You know, it's interesting. We all listen when we want something bad enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well put. (laughs) So, hey, you mentioned earlier about the young woman in Poland, the dental student there. Dominika, yeah. Yeah, Dominika and her feedback. I'm I'm curious to learn about some of the the, the feedback from some other women who have participated in last year's event and what you have added or eliminated, enhanced or reduced to make this year's Women's Golf Day an even better experience. Yeah, the only thing we changed really was the only have two requirements is just that everybody signs on to our platform, the locations. I mean, that ended about a month ago and that they follow our format because we did beta test it. We worked with all these management companies who didn't just make this up, you know, one day. Um, so we know this format works. Those are the two things that we require. But last year we asked everybody to do it like 4 to 8 p.m. because we were after work and things like that. We just didn't want to turn into the, the same ladies that already play golf. So we eased up and we just said you can do it any four hours that you want you know whatever time slot works best for you because whether it's i mean dubai you know it's interesting we have four muslim countries ramadan started i believe yesterday or the day before right. so they were doing it during ramadan in an incredible heat but some of these places are doing it at night and they get to when the sun goes down you can break the fast that's the custom yes. so these women are getting together doing this clinic towards the end of the day some of the places have lights at night and then they're breaking the fast together which to me with everything that's going on there's no way I can explain to you how this like warms my heart to know that we have this kind of global community. But there's a woman in Morocco that's been very active, I mentioned before, in helping us. Tunisia, Oman, and Morocco, and I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, Dubai, of course, United Arab Emirates. Els, the Els Club was the first one to come on, and that's Trun International. And I have to, you know, tip my hat because they came on full board, Trun International, with the international properties. And as you know, as we all know in every industry, but I think particularly in golf, when somebody who is revered as a leader in the industry does it, it makes hard jobs so much easier. So if a Troon or Club Corp or all the names I've mentioned, like Caspers and stuff, when when they do it, it helps us to get a lot of other people interested. And it sounds like you're approaching this like a global company would with their with your product offering very much, let's say giving Starbucks as an example. They don't have the same, it's not the same latte in every single country that they have to be culturally contextual, I guess is a good way to put it. It sounds like you are doing that and not only listening, but it sounds like you're also being very empathetic with how you're delivering and designing the experiences in every culture in every country. That's That's fantastic. But that's why I think you we realize, and it is true, like I think with a lot of global companies, is that you have to rely on the information and respect the people that you have there in the market that know better than you do. And you can give them the vision and then work with them to try to adapt it to how it would best suit. I mean, some people have preconceived ideas, of, oh, we can't do this, and we. but in the end, you can. You can do it in a form and fashion that's respectful and done that that works for everybody. And I think everybody pushes their their borders and boundaries a little bit. I completely agree with that. So a few months ago, Golf Digest published an article called, Is This Golf's $35 Billion Opportunity? Based on a report titled, The Global Economic Value of Increased Female Participation in Golf. The report surveyed 14,000 non-golfing women across North America, Europe, and Asia to find that 29% showed an interest in wanting to pick up golf over the next two years. And that's roughly 37 million women worldwide. So for each new woman golfer, the report estimates potential increased annual golf revenue of just under $1,000. 
So as though 35 billion might seem like an outlandish figure, as it assumes you'll be converting all those 37 million interested women into golfers, it's the least indicative of golf's potential to grow the game in a practical and significant way. Well, there's a long-winded statement with lots of numbers there, but with that in mind, uh, Alyssa, how does the potential of unlocking this massive golf market segment influence and motivate you to create the best women's golf day experience possible? Well, I think that those numbers are reflective of a comment that I made earlier about influencing decisions with regard to purchasing power in any country. It just kind of validates what we were already doing. And it could be that statistical data that came out through a research study about, you know, the potential uptake in the golf market. You can see women organizing um, very actively uh, in the last six months or so for various reasons. I just think that this is a very interesting time. You hit the nail on the head, but I think you're seeing the power of tribe. And I think we have been set up as women, unfortunately, even more so than men, to be competitive with one another. Right. And I think right. that people are real, women are realizing that we do much better as being each other's friends and allies than we do as competitors. And I think the most part, a lot of people are realizing it's a global community. You know, we, we kind of have to live and work together, everything. And, you know, another interesting insight, I think, and I, I say this a lot too when I speak at, at conferences, why I think golf has had some challenges is because our society, most specifically in the last 10 plus years, maybe 10 to 12 years, has gone from worldwide society, has gone from a world of exclusivity to inclusivity. Yes. I mean, for so many things, it was all about exclusivity. And that's not really the name of the game anymore. It's all about, you know, oversharing is almost, you know, but there's a lot of, you know, it is, it is inverted and golf was not, is not set up at all that way. Well, especially in this political climate these days, there are certain groups that are certainly believing in exclusivity and trying to silo us from one another. And I'm, I'm glad you are one of several people that are doing the opposite and using golf as your platform to unite people. And once again, and create a movement that does create inclusivity and yeah. this is this is great stuff yes absolutely uh it is like i said you know engage empower and support i have to say Alyssa, those three words nicely encapsulate the women's golf day movement you're creating so i know i only have you for a few minutes more so i just wanted to ask you a, a couple more questions here so what interests me most in the context of our conversation here is that 74 percent of non-golfing women said they try the sport if there was a no-cost morning golf event that they could attend with a group of friends does this untapped potential for the growth in women's golf get you excited for the future of the game yes do you have their emails <laughs> that is exactly what we are we are this we are like i guess you just said there's lots of Free location. So, you know, wherever these women are, I hope, I mean, we are doing our darndest. If you could, you know, uh, I don't know, get Justin Bieber to tweet for us about Women's Golf Day. I mean, I think it would be a slam dunk. I'll do my best. We've got a great social media team. Actually, Hallie Ledbetter is helping us as well as Emma from the UK and Nate, who's on our team, the three of them have done a phenomenal job at reaching out and getting out and messaging. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, like anything, I think, you know, it takes time. And it, sometimes I stop and I even tell our team, I'm like, guys, we've got 694 locations. You know, they wanted to push the date back, have more locations. I mean, we hope these women will find out. That's a, that, you know, we didn't know that when we started what we started, but we are certainly uh, offering that platform. 
Uh, yeah. And I would be very surprised that for 2018, if you didn't have over a thousand locations, if that's what you wanted to have, to have that scale, I guess you then run into that, uh, that good problem to have then of having something connect so well that then you may have to put the brakes on so that you don't dilute the quality of the experience, which like I said, is a, is a nice problem to have. I hope you have that problem next year. Yeah, no, I think we're, we're going to be prepared for sure for next year for that type of thing. But, you know, uh, thankfully, it's once a year. <laughs> yes, and I, I can't wait to actually see how this unfolds next week. So with your team, all of you seem to be tapping into the emotional connections and social behaviors that resonate with women and will motivate them to give golf a shot, which is very exciting stuff. So I'm, I'm curious to learn what are your long term goals with the development and staging of future women's golf days? Yeah. So it, as I said, it's just an annual event. We won't, we're not going to compete. And I made that clear for a lot of reasons. Like there's so many phenomenal programs out there. Women's golf day, learn to play golf, you know, get golf ready from the PGA and so many and PGA teaching pros and everybody out there that for people to continue on. Uh, I always say we're like the New York marathon um, inverted, you know, instead of all, the whole world coming to us for one day, we're going to them for one day. This year, it's bring a friend. That's our hashtag. So we're encouraging women, whether you already play golf or you don't play golf and you, you know, because there is, there is, like you said, some social behavioral studies. Women prefer to do things, you know, with a friend or what have you. So we are absolutely encouraging that this year. Good stuff. So, so lastly, before I let you go here, Lisa, where can our listeners go to learn more about Women's Golf Day? And again, how can they sign up at a participating golf facility in their area? Yep, it's womensgolfday.com, and you'll see the homepage. We made kept it really simple. There's two videos on there you can watch that kind of give you an idea of what you're in for. But there's a, um, you know, find a location, and that's it. You just zoom in on that map, and you find what's closest to you. And I know, like we said uh, time and time again, that it is, you know, we are still a probably 84 to 87% dominated, male-dominated sport. I highly encourage any listener that's listening to this, please Tell your mom, sister, girlfriend, daughter, coworker, cousin, you know, let them know that this is happening. I mean, I think we all would love to see uh, our industry flourish and more people playing and have more playing partners, no matter if they're male or female or who they are. Well, I think you're well on your way of, of doing that. So for next Tuesday on social media, what uh, what hashtags can people follow and, and push out the conversations to uh, to get you guys trending? Yeah, Women's Golf Day. That's it. At or hashtag Women's Golf Day. You know, the bring a friend is a little bit smaller, but it, we're just trying to keep that simple too. So you should see quite a bit uh, popping on there. And I invite everybody to go to whether it's our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram page and like it and follow it and send us your pictures. And Golf Channel Morning Drive is going to be covering it for two hours um, throughout their programming and showing from locations uh, around the world what's going on. And probably Lisa Longball, one of our ambassadors, is competing that day in the Longball Championship on June 6th. I mean, that's just super lucky for us. I will, I will be there, actually, at that uh, event. So oh, I, I will awesome. have a, all, of it, all of the opportunity to speak with her, I guess. I'll make a point of it. Yeah. I'll, reach, I'll reach out to her on that day. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. She is competing that day. And I think she might even be doing a clinic. And they have registered as a Women's Golf Day event because it's free. If anybody wants to go, it's, um, remind me, is it in Arizona or Mesquite? It is. It's, no, it's in, it's in Nevada. It's in Mesquite, which is about Mesquite. A, a, yeah. a little more of an hour north of, of Las Vegas. Yeah, Mesquite. So 
Um, so that's going to be there as well. And I mentioned the PGA Tour event, the Ladies European Tour. Um, you know, they're all uh, the LPGA. They're all kind of getting behind this. So I really look forward to see uh, everybody's posts. As do I. As do I. So once again, the second annual Women's Golf Day happens around the world next Tuesday, June 6th. Alyssa, best of luck next Tuesday. And thank you so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I mean, we owe a lot too to the media and yourself and people like you that help us spread the word. And it's greatly appreciated. It's my pleasure. All right, you take care. Bye for now. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Women's Golf Day founder, Alyssa Gaudet. Go to womensgolfday.com where you can learn more and to sign up for a participating event in your area. It's Tuesday, June 6th. I've included links in the show notes for the main topics we covered today. You can subscribe to the Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes, and while you're there, please rate and comment on the show. Next week, I speak with Golf Match CEO and founder Peter Kratzios about how they've created golf's premier social networking app. I have to thank Peter for introducing me to Alyssa and allowing her to be on the show this week so that she can tell us all about Women's Golf Day. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and I welcome your comments and feedback so we can continually make the show a better listening experience for you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I'll see you next week.